During the coronavirus lockdown, you've probably heard more of this sound than this. Air pollution levels around the world have dropped to their lowest in decades. But as lockdowns are lifted, energy demand is on the rise again. And with it, calls from business leaders, NGOs and the UN to put lower carbon energy front and centre of future economic plans. It's an enormous challenge. Will renewables, wind and solar, be enough to meet global energy demands? When the wind stops blowing, when the sun stops shining, we still need to have power, we still need to have energy. And then we look for a source of energy to complement those fuels. Or could natural gas be a way to help reduce emissions. When you look at what has actually helped to put a lid on the rise in global emissions over the last few years, in fact, coal to gas switching has, has played quite a significant role. When I hear rosy proclamations about gas, I worry that too often they are either marketing dollars, wishful thinking, or both. I'm Bryony McKenzie, and you're listening to the Energy Podcast brought to you by Shell. This is the podcast where we ask the big questions around how the world will meet its future energy challenges. Today, is natural gas fit for the future? Like many of you, I'm cooking tonight's dinner on a gas hob, or some of you might call it a stove. It wasn't until relatively recently, in the late 1970s, natural gas from the North Sea began to flow. Now, every day in the UK, just under 85% of homes use gas for cooking and heating. It's seen as cheap, reliable and cleaner burning than coal. But... It's still a fossil fuel, and they're on their way out, aren't they? Here to discuss if gas is cooked are Erin Blanton, a senior research scholar at the Centre on Global Energy Policy at Columbia University, and Tim Gold, Head of Division and Investment at the International Energy Agency. Many countries are emerging from the pandemic and governments are thinking about their economic stimulus packages. How important is it that they consider environmental needs and what role can gas play in their pledges to climate change? Tim, I'll come to you first. Well, I think obviously the pledges on climate change are incredibly important. But if you actually go through all of the nationally determined contributions that were submitted after the Paris Agreement, I mean, not actually that many of them mention natural gas as part of their sort of climate strategy. So we, we, we looked at it. I mean, it's, it's fewer than 30 out of the more than 160 uh, country submissions. That's interesting in a way, not least because in practice, when you look at what has actually helped to keep to put a lid on the rise in global emissions over the last few years, in fact, coal to gas switching has, has played quite a significant role. So in our estimation, I mean, since 2010, 700 million tonnes of of CO2 have been saved, have not been emitted to the atmosphere because of coal to gas switching. And to put that in perspective, I mean, that's roughly the sorts of savings that you would get from switching two thirds of the world's car fleet from gasoline to today's kind of electricity generation mix. So it's quite a significant amount. And yet 
it doesn't seem in many cases to be central to decarbonisation strategies. Does gas have a PR problem? That really varies where you are in the world. I mean, I don't think there's a single global conversation about gas. Um, in, you know, if you put yourself in, in many parts of Asia, gas looks like a, a, something that will reduce emissions. Um, but the conversation in Europe, uh, conversation in many parts of North America, where, or in many parts of the world where gas has already achieved a sort of relatively high share, you know, then, as you see today, many people are wondering, well, how do we actually reduce that? I think what has really hindered the perception of gas, obviously, has been, you know, methane emissions. Obviously, this is an issue that the industry is becoming more and more aware that it needs to get on top of. You know, it's it's a license to operate question. And it's in most of these emissions, it's relatively easy to resolve them. A very common but important question. Why can't the world just go straight to renewables? The thing that people tend to have in mind when they talk about renewables are the sort of new renewable power technologies. So wind, solar PV, maybe hydropower and so on. Um, but we need to remember that a rising share of renewables in power generation, I mean, is an essential part of transitions. But electricity itself is only around one fifth of global final energy consumption. So in a sense, the most, you know, the most well-known aspects of renewables are tackling one part of the problem in a way. Um, now, there's a, a, there's a strong reason to believe that that share of electricity will increase in the future. So electricity is central to our modern lives and it will become even more so. Um, but there will be a need nonetheless for other energy sources, sort of liquids and gases and even some solid fuels. Um, now, the question is, what are those molecules going to be? I mean, right now, if you manage your supply chain well, gas is, in a sense, the cleanest molecule of the, of the major sources of, uh, of, of sort of liquids and gases in the system at the moment. Um, it may be that they will be supplemented by other new low-carbon fuels, um, maybe more biofuels, maybe more biogases, uh, maybe low carbon hydrogen, but that's all for some time to come. And so for the, uh, for the meantime, I mean, gas does fill an important gap that, uh, that is not obvious how you fill otherwise. A lot of energy access to date has been, I believe like 45% of it has come from coal. You know, there's an opportunity there, I think, for gas in terms of the fact that, as Tim said, it is a technology that's it's here now um, and it can provide, it can be a really key part of providing that energy access that can go globally, that can reach these various sectors and that can move move sectors away, uh, industrial and cooking, heating away from, you know, biomass, coal, uh, certainly far more polluting uh, fuel types. Has Covid been a turning point for gas? Well, I think the, you know, the big plus is if you're a, a gas consumer because the prices are at, at uh, very low levels. And I would say that there is some opportunity still for coal to gas switching. Um, you know, there, we, I think with the prices you've got now, you know, it actually makes sense to see more switching, even in the US, even in Europe, you know, in countries that have already done, a, a, we've seen a lot of coal to gas switching. At these prices, there's still potential for more. And there's some opportunity, I think, even within Asia uh, to get some, some more coal to gas switching. So in the sense of, is there a benefit? It's, well, you know, you could see, you know, gas is becoming economic in the power sector in a way that it wasn't uh, a year ago.
Tim Gould and Erin Blanton, thanks both for joining me. Listening to that was Ben Ratner, Senior Director at the Environmental Defence Fund. They're an organisation that looks at ways to solve some of the world's toughest environmental problems. As you heard there, there's a view that natural gas is beneficial when it comes to lowering emissions. Do you agree with that? Well, I think the real question is, can natural gas be consistent with a net zero future by 2050? And two things really need to happen if gas is to play a constructive role in helping to achieve the Paris Agreement. And they are elimination of methane emissions all across the oil and gas supply chain and, of course, control of carbon emissions from combusted gas. You know, the concern I have is that, unfortunately, uh, many folks in industry, I think, have put more energy into touting natural gas as beneficial than in doing the hard work to actually make it so. And I'm afraid that industry is not on track today to meet either the methane objective or the CO2 objective, which means that natural gas, at least in my view, is really not on track as it stands to be a clear climate win. This is the decade in which the decisions that energy executives make really will define their company's future viability and shape uh, the perception of gas and the standing of industry. Gas has significantly lower greenhouse gas emissions than coal when it comes to generating electricity. Is gas a useful transition fuel if we're talking about the future and supporting renewables? Beating coal may have been the goal many years ago, but that's changed. The world community recognizes net zero by mid-century really is the North Star. And even where gas does have air pollution advantages, uh, those and certainly the climate benefits are undercut uh, when methane leaks, which contribute both to climate and air pollution, go undetected and uncontrolled. I want to talk about global demand and come back to the idea of renewables If they can't meet that global demand, what other sources of energy should we be looking at for now to meet the world's needs? It's going to be renewable energy that represents the largest share of investment in the energy sector uh, over uh, oil and over natural gas. With that said, I think Tim pointed out, and it is absolutely worth bearing in mind, that, look, electricity represents just a fraction of energy demand. Um, And so even as gas likely loses share to renewables uh, and other sectors of the economy like industrials, decarbonization options likely will take longer. And, you know, I've heard it said that fundamentally the problem is not natural gas, it's emissions from natural gas. So companies playing to win in the transition are thinking creatively about new approaches to divorce the fuel from the emissions that have historically come along with it. Hydrogen and carbon capture are two of the technologies that could extend the runway for gas, but only if deployed at scale and with environmental integrity. Is natural gas fit for the future? I think it's very unclear sitting here today whether natural gas is a fuel for the future. Unfortunately, when I hear rosy proclamations about gas, I worry that too often they are either marketing dollars, wishful thinking, or both. 
Does natural gas have potential in the energy transition? Absolutely. But is industry doing nearly enough to make that so? No. And that's why it's time to double down on efforts to eliminate methane emissions, to make flaring a thing of the past, and to control carbon dioxide emissions associated with the combustion of natural gas. Ben Ratner from the Environmental Defence Fund, thanks for joining me today. What you might have picked up on there was the word methane. If you don't know what it is, it's a potent greenhouse gas, a main component of natural gas and significantly more powerful than carbon dioxide at warming the earth. And it can leak when natural gas is extracted. But is it a problem that can be fixed? To discuss that knotty topic and the role of gas versus renewables, I'm joined by Claire Harris, Executive Vice President of Integrated Gas Ventures Development at Shell. What's Shell doing to combat methane leaks? Well, it's a core business priority for us across everywhere where we have operations producing gas. In 2018, we announced a target to keep our own methane emissions intensity for both oil and gas below 0.2% by 2025. At the end of 2019, it was 0.08%. It's something we do because we really believe in the future of gas, and we do believe that controlling methane is a critical part of that. Critics say energy companies like Shell can't expand their fossil fuel production, which includes gas, and meet the goals of the Paris Agreement to keep warming of the earth to two degrees or less. Do you think that's a simplistic view? I mean, what do you say to that? I think it's fantastic that the the level of awareness across society about energy use is increasing through the public debate because society needs to come to terms with the idea that if we want to continue to grow and develop, we will need energy. And that throws up huge dilemmas for society because more energy is demanded by customers all over the world as they develop as they you know, want their family to have a better future, as they want their kids to grow. And so you know, we need to find a way of bringing more and cleaner energy. And that will not be just companies. That has to be governments. It has to be policymakers. It needs to be critically consumers who are demanding cleaner energy. Countries such as India are intensely focusing on renewables. By transitioning from coal to gas rather than directly to renewables, are energy companies just delaying the transition and ensuring reliance on a product that they make money from? That's a really great question. And different countries are able to transition at different speeds. Some countries are already a long way into their decarbonisation journey because they have abundant hydropower, they have uh, a lot of natural resources that lead very very comfortably to, to renewable systems. Other countries have more challenges and if we take a country like India, massive growing energy demand, a huge uh, decentralised population. Our new energies business is really actively targeting these markets to try to help uh, that uh, transition as quickly as possible. There are also sectors of the energy system that are really difficult to move on to renewables. You know, you can think of uh, aviation, you can think of industrial processes and heavy transport, which, you know, we really will need tremendous technology development before we're able to completely confidently decarbonise those systems. So... I think gas is is here 
uh, for a while. We're also looking at how you can make gas much, much cleaner to complement renewables naturally in the energy transition. As you've just heard, in some industries, the move to decarbonise is a tricky one. Before the pandemic, I went to one company in Europe which has found a cleaner alternative to diesel. I've come to a large haulage company just outside Frankfurt in Germany. On the face of it, there's nothing remarkable about the depot or the lorries here. You can hear a few reversing, lots of people coming and going. It's what's inside some of the lorries that's more unusual and could lay the foundations for a cleaner future for the trucking industry. This is Edgar Grasshaulers, a well-known company here in Germany. Back in 2018, just under a quarter of the fleet was switched from diesel to liquefied natural gas, often referred to as LNG. By far the biggest market for LNG in trucking is much further afield in China. But the European market is growing and there are currently around 260 LNG stations across Europe. So what are the benefits of LNG and could it be a long-term alternative to more traditional fuels? Alex Steinberg is the owner of Edgar Grass. What were the main reasons for making the switch in some of your fleet from diesel to LNG? The idea started actually with the diesel discussion we had in Germany um, and our main customer is actually uh, on the other side of, of the motorway and we need to go through the city of Limburg uh, which introduced the diesel ban um, a while ago. But the other reason is uh, the fuel consumption is actually lower so that the higher uh, purchasing cost for, for a truck is amortized uh, uh, fairly quickly. Are you optimistic about more refueling points being rolled out across Germany in, and in the wider Europe? Also optimistic bin ich generell. Generally, I'm a very optimistic person, uh, but when it comes to, to uh, retail stations, I'm optimistic too. Uh, so we've seen uh, recently a number of announcements, uh, including from, from Shell, to expand their network. Uh, but even myself, I consider uh, building a home-based site here in, in Limburg. Given where we are at the moment with the desire to lower emissions, um, cars and vehicles, passenger vehicles, are looking towards electrification. Is that something that would be possible in long-distance trucking? Well, I'm not an engineer, uh, and only a few years ago I, I, I wouldn't have thought that... Um, LNG or gas for, for, for trucks would be an option. But now look where we are. Uh, however, my gut feel tells me it will still take quite some time uh, till we see uh, electrification in, in the trucking sector, particularly uh, mid and, and mid, uh, long, long range. Alex Steinberg, thank you very much for showing us around today. Claire, there's a growing discussion around decarbonised gas. Can you tell us what it is and why it's important? What we're talking about here is a multitude of different things. Firstly, actually, different kind of gas, that's hydrogen. 
Um, and hydrogen's big advantage is its, its versatility. It carries a lot of energy, and so it can be used in some of those heavier applications. Um, we see a lot of growth in, uh, for example, biomethane and biogas. And what that is, is gas that's produced from organic matter. So manure, sewage, plants, waste products. So that's what people talk about when they talk about decarbonizing gas. And I think it's a really huge part of the future, but it's quite early days yet. Claire Harris. Thank you. And my thanks to the rest of our guests for talking to us. You've been listening to the Energy Podcast brought to you by Shell. You can find the Energy Podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google. Just hit subscribe and you can listen to all the other episodes on all things energy related. The Energy Podcast was produced by Fresh Air Production. And I must remind you that the views you've heard today are those of the people featured and not Shell or its affiliates. I'm Bryony McKenzie. Thank you for listening and goodbye.